Welcome back to another session of Better Podcasting Chats with me, SP. This is a streamed and recorded casual chat or conversation, if you prefer, with hobby and passion podcasters to share their experience, knowledge, joy, and enthusiasm of podcasting. Once the live stream is over, I'm going to take the recorded files and I'm going to turn it into a podcast. Better Podcasting is a project by Stephen John Drew and myself to help hobby and passion podcasters start their podcasts and make their existing projects better. And that's why we came up with the name Better Podcasting. Now, for the next few moments, I'm going to talk about my passion, which is space. As of this recording, this day on Tuesday, November 1st, 2022, SpaceX launched the Falcon Heavy booster for the fourth time and for the first time since 2019. The Falcon Heavy launched the United States Space Force USS F-44 mission from the historic launch pad LC-39A in Cape Canaveral Space Force Station. The Falcon Heavy, by the way, is the largest rocket currently in operational service. Well, that is until NASA launches SLS and SpaceX Starship are both operational. In Boca Chica, Texas, over the last week, I kind of flubbed that, SpaceX continues to test the orbital flight test hardware in advance of a projected early December flight, while Starship Ship 24 and Starship Booster 7 are tested. Work continues to assemble and test the next two Starships. So Ship 25, Ship 26, Booster 8, and Booster 9. Meanwhile, NASA is getting ready to roll the Artemis 1 stack back out to historic launch complex pad LC-39B on Friday for November 2022 in advance for a launch to the moon in a couple of weeks. I can't wait to see both launches just a few weeks apart. The biggest two rockets ever to launch from Earth. This is going to be great, guys. In my other podcasting endeavors, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be covering Thor Love and Thunder and the Black Panther Wakanda Forever films in November. So we're going to be getting caught up with the MCU over there. And of course, the long-awaited return of Better Podcasting. The main show is going to return to record live tomorrow as we're recording this, Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Stephen and I have hopefully knocked all the rust out of our processes and our systems and are really looking forward to the show tomorrow night. No promises on no mistakes, though. It's going to be fun. In case you are new to Better Podcasting Chats with SP, which is this show, if you are a hobby or passion podcaster, I'm interested in talking to you, especially if you're a true crime podcaster. And if you want to schedule a time to chat with me about your podcasting experience and your podcast, please send me an email to stargatepioneer at betterpodcasting.com or send me a DM on Twitter or a PM on Discord, and we'll arrange a date to have you on this show. In case you're listening to this and you do not think this applies to you, of course it does. If you're listening to this, I want to talk to you. If you're listening to the show, you have the interest, you have the experience, I want to talk to you. And even if you're just starting out, I want to talk to you too. We'll have a little consulting session about starting your podcast right here on the show. But for the next hour, I'm chatting with an OG Better Podcasting audience member, <laughs> Demi Diami. He's going to correct me in a second. Daimi Plucky is a podcast listener turned podcaster. He's been podcasting since 2012, but is currently on a podcasting hiatus and wants to talk about his entire journey with me. Welcome to the show. Thank you, SP. It's a pleasure. Now, by saying you're an OG Better Podcasting member, you've been listening to Better Podcasting for a long time. Oh, from episode one. I'm really excited to see you guys come back. I can't wait. I can't wait either. It's going to be fun. Of course, we, there are reasons that we took the time off, and maybe we'll get into a little bit about yeah. that later, but we are excited to come back tomorrow as we're recording this just so happens. So it's fun to have you on the show. So you started listening to Better Podcasting since episode one, which was in 2015, but you started podcasting before that. What was your inspiration to start podcasting? I did. Well, it was woodworking, of course. I think that's why most people uh, start podcasts. <laughs> That's right. You're either watching paint dry or varnish, right? <laughs> exactly. No, 
I'm part of a very close knit and active online community of woodworkers. And there were a few of us back then who wanted to try to recreate the enjoyment and the conversations we had in person. And we had the opportunity to review a book. And as we were located at the time in Toronto, Boston, or outside of Boston, New York, Atlanta, and Tampa, we figured the easiest way to review a book would be over a podcast. And that started our first episode. I've thought about reviewing a lot of books over uh, podcasts lately, just because I like reading. I enjoy reading. And I think it's a good way to talk about it. You, you can't read it, but you can review it. Even if it's fiction, nonfiction, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of good things that you can do about it. Actually, I think reviewing a chapter at a time from a book, like a fiction book, is a lot easier than podcasting about an episode of TV or a movie, because there's so many visual elements that you have to take into account and not just the plot. So I could definitely see that or maybe a self-help book. There's a lot of points to go through in there. So yeah, why not? I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'd never really considered that, but I think that would be really interesting to do a chapter by chapter discussion. And then at the end, an overall discussion, because I'm sure your opinions and your attitudes are going to change as you go through the book, if it's a good book. Yeah, if you've never read it before, or maybe yeah. even if you have read it before, you'll find new things out as you're researching it and you're talking to other people about it as you go along. Absolutely. For us, though, that did not work out. I think we've, in the total, reviewed about two books. What it turned into was just the five, then four, then three of us talking. And by episode six or seven, we were bringing on interviews. And I think right now we're up to, I say we, it's them really, but we're up to 423 episodes as of today and probably 380 of them have guests, that kind of number. So it's the basic format is to bring a guest on. Okay. How'd you decide to format your show with guests like that? I wish I could say it was something deliberate. It was really, it was our opportunity as hobbyist woodworkers to geek out with the professionals in the craft is really what it came down to. In terms of our ability as a woodworker, we could get guests that were way above our level. And it was always exciting to talk to them. As time has gone on, the growth of online communities has kind of democratized the hobby, as I think it has a lot of things. So these days, most guests, not to take anything away from them, but they're not these superstar authors who every woodworker knew as they were in the beginning. Because in the beginning, those were the only people we knew. Because you didn't have these massive online communities like you have now. You've mentioned the guests several times. Of course, you've had several hundred of them on your show. What are some of the favorites? You don't have to say who your favorite was, but just off the top of your head, who are some of the favorite guests that you have had on or the topics that they are discussing? For me, the best guests are the people who we can have a nice conversation with, not necessarily their ability. I am a sucker for any conversation about power carving, as I know the listeners are also. So I've always enjoyed those conversations. And every once in a while, I tend to not put people on different levels, but every once in a while, when you get the right guest, like the last episode I was on, I was in to see Jeff Miller, who is a chair maker. He's been on the show a couple times and he's just, the salt of the earth. He's the nicest guy. And from a woodworker's angle, his stuff is just mind-blowingly amazing. So talking to people like that, who are you're in awe of from a technical standpoint and who you can have a nice conversation with, they're always stand out. Every once in a while, we'll snag people who are in, you know, top of mind within the, uh, the community. For non-woodworkers, I don't know if these names are going to mean all that much, but we talked to Asa Cristiano when he had first made kind of put his foot in his mouth about online woodworking. We've talked with Chris Schwarz. We have a running competition between Brian Brazil, who is the president of a woodworkers club in Rhode Island. And God, I, you know what? When you take the time out to do the hiatus, you lose some of the components. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'll give you a little time here because on Voices of Defiance, which is a podcast on the television show Defiance and the video game Defiance, we had a lot of great interviews. The one interview that we wish we would have been able to get would be Linda Hamilton. And we heard that she was up for it, but we never found the time to connect before the show ended. 
with her, that would have been an awesome one. My favorite, my personal favorite was Anna Hopkins. She was awesome to have on the show. But my close number two was the showrunner. We mm-hmm. had the one and only interview with the showrunner, Kevin Murphy, and he was detailing what the show would have done if it had continued into the next season. It's kind of fishing for, hey, is there support? Is there fan support for this to bring back the show? That sort of thing. Right. But he was phenomenal to talk to, talking about all the constraints that they ran into with the show, why the show ended, and that he would be open to it continuing. But if not, it was his one and only shot to give his fans the layout of where he was going to take the show in the future. I've never seen it anywhere else. It was only on our podcast. So that was the type of exclusivity that we were able to get there. And that is not to minimize any of the guests that I've had over the years on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Starly Tribune or here on Better Podcasting, because we've had a lot of fun guests on Better Podcasting itself. Not Better Podcasting Chats with SP, but the Better Podcasting Main Show have had tons of great conversations here on Better Podcasting Chats with SP. But if I could go back into my, because I'm a sci-fi geek and a space nerd, if if I could go back to the really cool stuff that I thought it would have been probably Kevin Murphy and Anna Hopkins, there was two fun times. And if we would have gotten Linda Hamilton, for those that don't know who Linda Hamilton is, well, you need to go watch the Terminator series. Let me ask you, woodworking is, even as it's grown around the internet, it is still a very niche thing. And there is no mass media appeal to woodworking. There are some woodworking podcasts that are dramatically more popular than ours, but still in the scheme of things, they're not that popular. There's a handful of magazines that there are fewer than there used to be. So as a rule, we've found people, most woodworkers are just happy to sit down and talk about the craft they love. So it's an easy sell to get people to come on as an interview. But we can help promote them as good as anything else because there's not that much out there. When you're dealing with people who are in traditional mass media, is it as easy to get them to come on to a podcast or do they, do they think, well, why would I do that? I'm on TV. We lucked out so much with the fines because they put the word out. The production crew, uh, Kevin Murphy, I think himself, put the word out to all the cast and crew said, if somebody asks you to be on their podcast to do an interview with them or whatever, you go do it because we're trying to keep this thing alive. And everybody on the show loved working on the show and they wanted it to continue as much as possible. You had some really a actors on that show. Like I said, Linda Hamilton Mm -hmm. was one of them and it would have been great. Julie Benz was another, it would have been great having this continue. And unfortunately they just didn't get the mass appeal that say like the Battlestar Galactica show did on sci-fi and it was cut short after three seasons. So it was a concerted effort to keep it going for them to come on the show. And the other thing was there weren't that many podcasts covering it because a lot of people saw it. It wasn't going to be the big hit that Battlestar Galactica was. So they all moved on to something else and in their lives, or they didn't, they weren't getting the ratings or downloads that they were on their podcasts or blogs or whatever. So they didn't keep into it. So, That's kind of an unfair comparison because those people were just as starved for the fan interaction as I would say woodworkers are. Now, fast forward to my other podcasts, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Starling Tribune. It's really difficult. Like, we're not going to get Robert Downey Jr. on our Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. It's just not going to happen. I mean, it could, but... They have to really meter the time that they have those Uber stars, because if it was every fan, because there's hundreds of podcasts about the Marvel universe alone, right? And we're a part of that market. We're a, a successful slice of fandom in that market, but we're not the big all end all. We're not like NBC, ABC or Disney plus or whatever. They've got their own avenues to promote over there. We're not even as big as them on YouTube. I mean, like by far, we're not a YouTube focused show, but we're more audio focused show, but we do stream on YouTube. But yeah, if, if you take a look at if we, if we would premiere a trailer for the next big Marvel movie on our channel versus their channel, I mean, there's a market difference of how many views it's going to get. So yeah, they focus on their own channels. Right. So to completely answer your question, it's very difficult. Yeah. Whereas 
in relative terms, I don't know if we really could ever move the needle in terms of book sales, but I know we could help fill classes. And that's a lot of woodworkers who are making their living at it. You got to sell a lot of furniture to make a living. So a lot of them supplement that with teaching and we could absolutely help people fill classes. So there was a lot of that. Yeah. And I know if you craft a dining room set, let's just go with that. Maybe ten, fifteen thousand dollars, maybe, right? Um that brings up pricing is its own thing, and there are far too many woodworkers who don't value their own time. So you could probably buy a very nice dining room table for four, five thousand dollars. Okay. Handmade dining room table. But if you're gonna really think about it and give the person who made it minimum wage, you're probably in the ten to twelve thousand dollar range. And I'm fully of the opinion that if you bring skill and design to that table, you should be twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. I mean, I tend to veer towards what's known as studio furniture. It's not mass producing pieces. It's really one-off kind of art type things. And studio furniture is best known because in many cases, in the well-known cases, it's more art than furniture. And it commands the pricing of art as opposed to the pricing of furniture. So you'll get $100,000 chairs and things like that because it's not chair, it's a piece of art. Which doesn't help you sit down around the dining room table, but it's that broad spectrum of the way people come to market and how they value their own time and see themselves in the market. You made my point for me because where it was going was I was going to liken it to podcast editing. So mm-hmm. if you get on the our podcasting subreddit or if you go into Facebook into these editing groups or if you know you're looking whatever, there'll be these college kids that say, I can edit your show for $25, not knowing the amount of time that's really going to go into it the amount of cost that's going to go into the tools, whether it's the hardware itself, like the computer, whether it's the software that you use, whether it's the audio plugins that you use, and you're not looking at producing a show. You're just looking at like editing, making it sound good, but not really taking anything out. You're not taking the ums and ahs out. You're not taking the mic bumps out. You're not doing a multi-track thing. You're taking a single, most of them anyway, you're taking a single stereo recorded track and you're doing the best you can with audacity or whatever and $25. I'm here to tell you what those college kids are doing or high school kids are doing or international people that are doing for $25 really should be between $500 and $1,500 or maybe even $2,500 for a legitimate US podcast producer that's also doing editing for you. So for hobby podcasters, though, that's not going to be the case. So you, what you're supplementing is for your own time. You're taking the tools that will work, but you're supplementing time in order to do that. And oh, by the way, you're a hobby podcaster, so you got a full-time job or yep. you're going to school full-time and you have to devote your time to that. And then you only have a few hours during the week. So it's the market difference between a professional person that's actually doing it for a living 40 to 80 hours a week versus a hobbyist. And I don't think a lot of hobby podcasters really understand that the work that somebody in a professional company, a professional podcast producing company is, it's really getting paid a hundred thousand, dollars a year because they're doing all that And then they're going to classes to learn or they're going to conferences because they have to, just like you do for work. I mean, exactly. If you're a rocket scientist, you go to the space symposium every year in Colorado Springs. It's just an example. If you're a teacher, there's education association meetings once or twice a year that you have to do to keep up your points. Doctors do continual learning all the time. So podcast editors need to do that to keep up with stuff. So that's kind of where I was getting is it's very analogous, your woodworking example to mm-hmm. the hobby podcast industry. Yeah. It's at the end of the day, it's people who are enthusiastic and are willing to give their time to the passion, but haven't gotten to the point where they actually understand what their time is worth. Cause they have, if they're a hobbyist, they have another income somewhere else and they don't need it to be worth anything per se. Or we see all the time people who jump into woodworking as their career and 
still don't really appreciate what they need to do to put it together because people are at least to bring it back to woodworking for a second people are afraid of the high price but i fully believe that you pull customers with you with the high price it's easier to sell now you have to find the right audience i happen to be on long island there's plenty of wealth out to the back of me which is to the east so i understand that market better than some people not terribly well but better than some people but it's easier to sell a $12,000 chair than a $400 chair because it's kind of self-selecting and even if it's the exact same chair. So I think that a lot of people have a hard time getting past that. And I'm sure that's true of editors too. If you're just getting into it and it's exciting and it's, you know, you think you're building your career by building this, this repertoire of things you've done, you're going to be afraid to scare people off with a price. But it would make a great Hallmark holiday movie. Yes, it would. <laughs> For those that are not long-time listeners of Better Podcasting, I am a, or I was at one point in time, a Hallmark Channel aficionado because, well, they were feel-good movies. Anyway, this brings up a bigger question for you. So you just jumped into podcasting because you like woodworking. Well, how did you learn how to do podcasting? Trial and error and a little help from you guys. As I said, at the beginning, there were five of us, and I would not recommend a five inexperienced host show. It's a, it's a little bit of a madhouse. That kind of whittled itself down to three because of life. And we ran as three for a long time, and three whittled itself down to two. And that, when Chris, who was the, I think it's fair to say he was the founder. I've been around since day one, but I'll give Chris credit for founding the group. He was responsible for the recording and the editing. So the rest of us really just had to show up with a mic and a computer. Initially, I was showing up with a gaming headset, and then I switched to the you know the be all end all of microphones, the Yeti, as was the style of the times. The blue Yeti. That's right, the blue Yeti. Mine was bright silver. And um, there's a string of episodes I couldn't tell you the numbers where my keyboard is deafening because <laughs> because of that microphone. But other than trying to keep my noise down, that was really my responsibility as just to show up because Chris handled the rest. When he stepped away and I took on the other responsibilities, then I had to learn how to do, we'll say some of it. I've never gotten to the point that you have, because for me, the best part of it, the really exciting part of it was the conversation with my friends and with people about topics I really enjoyed. The actual podcasting itself, I'm a little bit of a gear junkie like anybody else, but if I spent we used to do long shows. So we used to record for an hour. We used to have an hour and a half, two hour long shows. We would just get into a conversation and talk. So if I spent two hours recording a show, the total editing, posting time, including the recording was not more than three hours. I will not claim to have had, had good edited shows. It was literally just the conversation ripped down and posted. As it became more sophisticated, I started using Lafonic. Because at least to my ear, it did a reasonable job and required me to, I think I, I owned the software. I didn't use the subscription. So I think it was like $70 once and it made it cleaner to my ear. And that's the extent of editing I did. Uh, we were never trying to be the be all end all in terms of audio quality. We just wanted to have a, a conversation that was not offensive to listen to both in terms of what said and the quality of the audio. And I think we, I think we hit that pretty well. You know, people who, who cross over into woodworking. Ben Strano is, he hosts the Fine Woodworking podcast. He's a good friend. And for years, he was an audio engineer in Nashville. And he went back home to Connecticut and got a job in woodworking and now runs their media stuff. I knew him back when he was just a lonely audio engineer in Nashville. But he has said that our audio was fine, which I took to mean that I didn't have to worry about it because I'm not an audiophile. So that was really kind of how I got into it was just doing what I needed to to get it to post and and to host the show. As you took over the production side of the house from Chris, did he help you at all? Or was it oh, self-taught? No, 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 no. We're, 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 we're woodworkers. We don't help each other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he would answer an occasional question, but it's not as though, it's not as though he was editing the way you do. And then I switched to editing the way I do. He was not doing all that much more. What he used to do. I don't know what tool he used. I've always been on PC. He was on a Mac. I don't know what he used to actually, what audio software he used to edit, but he, we would stay on the stream just talking after the recording was done. And while we were talking, he used to visually delete the ums because he knew what it looked like in the wave uh, file. 
And that was his the extent of editing. Usually, we would talk for like a half hour, 45 minutes after the show. And by the time we were done talking, he would have posted it. So it wasn't very complicated editing. It aggravates me to this day. So my podcast mentor over on Galactic Water Cooler, which I haven't talked about for a while, his name is Chuck. There's a couple of times where we would record a show and I'd be interested in like, how do you do this? Whatever. And it was years before I fully understood everything because I remembered the sessions because I was really interested in it. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? What, are you, what What's going on? And he was using Pro Tools and it took okay. me years to figure out he was using Pro Tools to begin with. I'm like, well, how do I get it to look like this? And it was Pro Tools. And when I finally saw Pro Tools, I'm like, that's what he was using. I'm like, <laughs> but, but I could use other things too. I don't have to just use that. He used these specific, gosh, I can't remember what their names are, but he used these specific headphones that were like these Uber German design studio monitoring headphones. And I was so enamored. I had a picture of him at a live event with those headphones on and he turned in a way that I'm like, okay, it's this headphones. And I won't mention what they are, even if I knew, because I wouldn't recommend them, but I found them used and i bought a pair and i tried it on i'm like nope this is <laughs> what, what i'm using is way better than that so they're in a bin somewhere in the basement or something like that it's funny you mentioned studio monitor headphones you can for anyone watching the video you can see behind me there's two plastic bins open on my drawing table I'm, i happen to be at work now because i have better internet and it was just easier to set up here right now that's what my podcasting gear was in because one of my co-hosts lives down in texas and every year they do the texas woodworking festival which we've gone down and recorded live shows down there the last time he went down there i just took all my gear packed it up into those cases and mailed it to him and it came back a year ago something like that and i haven't opened them till last night (laughs) but somewhere in going through it all i lost my headphones i can't i had i had sony headphones they're my understanding is they're kind of an industry standard headphone i could not tell you the number they look just like that. Yeah, that's them. Sony MDR 7506s. I have no idea where they are. So right now I'm using the Microsoft chat headset I use for video conferencing at work just for the headset. I, I have my actual mic, but I have no idea where my headphones are. <laughs> the danger of not, you know, of taking a hiatus and you put your gear away, at least for me, I never had a permanent setup the way you have. For the first couple shows, I was doing it at, uh, at the breakfast bar we have in our kitchen. And then I moved down to my wife's office in our basement. But then for years, I would do it in my shop. So I have an attached garage. That's my wood shop. I have hardwired internet in the shop for this reason. And I would literally set my laptop up on my table saw and set the whole thing up. And that's how I would do the show. And when it was my responsibility, it went from, I would record on the laptop for the very beginning. And then I got the Zoom H5, I think, H6, I think it's an H5. H5, the two, two XLRNs. Yes. Yeah. And then you could put the headpiece on that did two more. Yeah, it's H5. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I used that for a very long time. And I think you guys might've helped me with the, with the wiring to, to get it, to do it years ago, but I used that. And then I switched to the road podcaster, procaster. I always confuse the microphone and the soundboard one. Roadcaster pro. Ro- the thank you. One. Because yes, you, I have the one. and. I heard all your critique and commentary about it, and my ear is not that sophisticated. <laughs> it seemed fine, and it was, it, was, it was easier, and it was kind of a toy to use as opposed to the H5. So that was the extent of it, is I would set the Roadcaster Pro up, plug it into my laptop, plug the mic in, put my headphones on, and I was good to go. So taking the hiatus, it's not as though it just sat on a desk unused. It was literally in boxes in my basement. So you use the H5 and the Roadcaster Pro. What microphone did you guys um, I use? I have an ATR 2100 that I think right. I won off of some podcast about podcasting. <laughs> Is better podcasting? Yeah, I remember that. It was one of the early ones. And, and you said, oh, this yeah. is so great. I'm going to get to use it. And then you sent in uh, woodworked self DIY uh, stands, microphone stands that you yes. built for the microphones at the time. I'm using one now. Yeah. For the audio listener, he's holding one up right now. So yes, you can make your own microphone stand <laughs> if you really need to or want to. I used to, for mine, I use this fancy shock mount 
that would still screw onto the same wooden post, but it came back from Texas broken. Oh, of course. Yeah. All right. If there is one thing you could have told yourself before you started, before you did that book review to make podcasting easier for yourself, if you could travel back, time travel, you know, get in the DeLorean, you go back to 1995, 1985, and you know, you tell yourself, Marty, this is how you podcast. What would you do? What would you tell yourself? What I initially want to jump to is the workflow and the software and the hardware we ended up using. But all things being equal, I don't know that I could have used an H5 in 2012. I don't know when they came out, but when we started, A, it wasn't my responsibility, so I was fine with just the computer. But what I grew to like was the relatively simple but incredibly reliable system that I had with the hardware recorder and the laptop and the microphone. I would have liked to have gotten to that sooner. I certainly would have not used the Yeti if I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I'd like to say, you know, we should have been better about format because we kind of found our legs, you know, the first year over the span of like four or five months, we did about six episodes. Whereas now for years, we've been regularly releasing every week. That's a different commitment. And I don't know that we were ready for that commitment initially, but I think that knowing what I know now, I probably would have gone in and tried to have some sort of regularity, even if it was a, a less frequent cadence initially to kind of get ourselves into it. But I think I would have pushed for some regularity and, uh, and a better mic would be the, the top two things from day one, I think. I started off with some decent gear, but it wasn't, in my opinion, the right gear. It was what somebody recommended to me to get mm. decent sound. I've had that. I've had gear recommended to me that I've bought and never used and given away. It just never fit in my workflow. This worked, but it didn't fit like... There was no recording capability. There's no hardware okay. recording capability to it. So it was literally into the computer. And there was plenty of times back then that I lost recordings. I can't remember how many recordings we lost over the, the initial years. Four, five, maybe something like that. And it just got me nuts over how can I prevent this? And at first it was running two recorders at the same time. But that doesn't really work if your computer is not really designed to power that. and. Nowadays, you know, a computer can record two audio streams, no problem, as long as you're not doing video with it. But back then, that was a big thing. And yeah, that, that was an issue, just the hardware alone. Let's see, what else would I wouldn't do? Not a, you haven't asked me, but uh, oh, yeah, I wouldn't start a podcast with a Canadian named Stephen John Drew, because all he does is drink <laughs> Canadian beer and eat pancakes with canadian syrup on it it's just it's annoying i've heard it's good syrup <laughs> apparently <laughs> so you ran for years from right, 2012 until what about a year ago or so uh yeah year year and a half ago i'm trying to think i sent this to you in my notes which i'm desperately reading right now trying to come up with the exact date i think the last time i was on was about a year year and a half ago it's 2021 sometime so yeah. that it, first of all, it's a big commitment to go every week. I've done it for a while. I've taken breaks myself from different podcasts in order to keep going. But you mentioned it being a commitment. I don't think anybody that starts podcasting and is like, oh, we could be like Joe Rogan or <laughs> we can podcast about Marvel and it'd be fine. I don't think anybody realizes after a year, you're like, really? Every week? Yeah, every week. It's like that. And yeah, you could take time off, but it's like every week you got to get back to it. You absolutely do. It's a grind. Two things I will add to that is, A, we cheat. We record two shows every other week. So they're released on a weekly cadence, but we're really only sitting down every other week, which helps. But when we sit down, we would start at 9 Eastern, and I would often not get to bed till after midnight on a recording night because we would talk amongst ourselves for 10, 15 minutes, get over a technical glitch, record for the better part of two hours, and then go into a second shorter show. But the shorter show was still usually about a half hour to 45 minutes. And then once the guest leaves, we would talk amongst ourselves a little bit more. So it, it made for a very late night on the nights we were doing it. And it was a product of the times. And I want to say it was 2010. But the best woodworking podcast I have ever heard was Modern Woodshop by Dave Knotts. Knotts, N-O-F-T-Z, I think. It was a solo podcast about woodworking, which is hard to make entertaining. And he did. 
but he ran like 53 episodes and just completely burnt himself out. He was recording every Friday night and you could listen to him burn out as he went through the arc of the podcast. And he's completely out of the woodworking world. I don't know where he is. I wish Dave the absolute best. He was an inspiration for me, but you can't bite off that much that frequently. It, it grinds at you. Even if you love doing it, you can't, you just, it gets to you. So eventually it sounds like it got to you or life came up or something like that. So what happened a year and I a half ago? Say it's more life. I would still love to sit down once every other week and talk with my friends. I would still love to make things out of wood. We're sitting in my office. So the only thing you can see that I made is that bookshelf behind me, which is nothing all that fancy, but okay. I have three children who are all currently in high school. A big issue, not issue, a big issue on my time and impact on it was that my youngest graduated from Cub Scouts to Boy Scouts. I was involved as a leader in both organizations. But the difference was that when he was in Cub Scouts, I was technically a Cub Scout leader, so I didn't play a role in the Boy Scout meeting. Which means that once a week at a Boy Scout meeting, I could sit down in the corner of a cafeteria, put on my headphones and edit my podcast and get it posted while there was a Boy Scout meeting going on. When that time went away, it actually became much harder for me to post on time. I've described my minimal editing. It didn't take me long to do all that, but it still had to be done. So that was part of it. That helped move the editing over to Kyle, who edits it now. And then I'm in Scout meetings. I think we talked about it when we were scheduling it. I'm free this Tuesday because this is the one Tuesday a month, the first Tuesday of the month that I don't have a scout meeting. So I have three scout meetings on Tuesdays. I have a scout meeting every Thursday and probably half the weekends we do stuff. The kids are very active. My son is in the middle of his Eagle Scout project right now. It's a big commitment for them and I've stepped up to do it with them. So that has been a big part of my time. And I'm a project manager, commercial roofing firm. I work 11 to 12 hours a day, five to six days a week. So you put that together. And the scouts, and if I want to see my wife every once in a while, there's the time. I'm sorry to say that as I have hiatus the podcast, I've also hiatus woodworking. I haven't touched a project in my shop. In the very beginning of COVID, when everything got shut down, I was like, oh, I, could, I have some free time. I can go in the shop. And I was in the shop for like three days, and then life got ahead of me again, and there we are. So it's a time in my life when I am particularly very busy. Everything's going fine. I have no complaints about it. but. It's a busy time in my life. My anticipation, and this could be just naive, but my anticipation is that once the, I have twins who are high school seniors, once they get up into college, my weekly commitments with them will, go, will dissipate. Um, and I'm hoping to have a little bit more time to myself at that point. But I, I don't know. Time will tell. As somebody that's been through three kids going off to college and one left in college, the other two are gone. I'll tell you the empty net syndrome is real, you know, just talking mm -hmm. between oh, friends sure. here, you and me, and it's always good to have something to go off to. And unfortunately, or fortunately, it means in some cases that you have to reconnect with your spouse. Yeah. And that's tough. I've seen it really tough with people and they, they fight to get through it because the life that they have learned to live over the course of 18, 20, 20 some years, because, you know, you, you don't have kids all together, you know, they're spread mm. out. It becomes way different than when you started and you have to reconnect with yourself and you yourself have changed over the course of those 25 oh, yeah. years. You can't do the same things that you did when you were 25 years younger and, and you have to make pivots with your life. I had that issue come up last year with my daughter's wedding. Right, right. Being the father of the bride is really not all that taxing. I mean, you have to make sure everything's paid for and you know, the money's there and you have to make sure that everybody's within a budget and general scheduling and stuff like that. But you're not the one picking out the dress. You're not the one picking out the not. colors. <laughs> you're there some of the times, but you're not like, it's not mentally taxing for you other than you have to listen to the women in your life you know, go through all that stuff. But when it got close to the wedding, it became really apparent to me that I was going to have to focus on it. And that is one of the reasons why the better podcasting main show went into a hiatus last year is it just got to that point where I just had to do full stop. And like you before that, 
when my son was playing hockey, we'd go traveling to different cities mm-hmm. across the entire United States, either on a plane or in a car or whatever. And I would take my laptop and my podcasting gear with me and I'd be able to edit. And just like you in the corner of the cafeteria with the Boy Scout meetings, I'd be able to edit at hockey rinks in between games, before games, after games, because like you're the transportation. So you're yeah. staying there no matter what. And you're with these people all year round. And there's only so much talking that you could do to 20 other parents before you're like, OK, I, I need to do my own thing. And I was able to do that. And I had co-hosts that stepped up and and many of the other podcasts and were able to take on so many duties. And that's how I got through that. But when that ended, that was a big shocker to everything. And of course, with the wedding, I'm anticipating another wedding in a couple of years. So we'll see how that goes. Actually, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Two weddings probably coming up. And then, of course, grandkids and stuff like that. So my life is going to get busy and I'm going to get older and tired and there's gray in my beard and. I'm looking at retirement, which will free up some time. But at the same time, I'll have other things I'll need to do in order to take over that. So just between friends, I'm telling you, (laughs) yes, it frees up, but there will be other things that come along. But you'll have to stick to your core passions. And if your core passion is woodworking and podcasting, then you can go back to it. No problem. No, I, I absolutely. And I need to say, too, I'm really lucky in that the show continues. They've done a. 60, 80 odd episodes since I was last on. It actually comes down to people who I've known since the very beginning who were part of our little clique of woodworkers. And when we had people who had to step away, we always had people willing to step up who we wanted. So I was the last remaining original host. Now, I think Sean's probably been on, I'm making a wild guess here, but probably 200 episodes, something like that. He's the oldest of the three current hosts. But just the fact that as an entity, it has persisted and continues. I think it's wonderful. I'm so happy that it, the show didn't end when I had to step away. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. has continued. I'm not the original producer or even host on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I did take it over really early, but I'll tell you, the hosts have changed over the course of a few years. And I've dabbled with, okay, what's going to happen with this? Some of it's source material. So unlike woodworking, I think there's an end to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. sometime when okay. Marvel Studios ends sense. or whatever. I, I don't know. It's owned by Disney now, so I guess it's whenever Disney <laughs> decides to fold or they're not making money in their parks anymore or something like that. But I've been toying with, okay, what is the end game for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Because there, there really isn't. I mean, on one hand, it's great because you have all these new seasons for all these new shows that are coming on on Disney+. Plus. It covers the whole MCU? Marvel Studios, yeah, um, MCU. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's ready-made. Matter of fact, there was years where we had too much content because we were covering Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That was the original purpose of the podcast, and yet all these Netflix shows popped up at the same time. There's no way we could cover both episode by episode. Mm-hmm. And it took us until a couple of years after the Netflix shows were canceled in order to catch up with them. But now we're caught up, and I think Disney slash Marvel Studios is doing a better job at keeping that going. But uh, that's a case where every all the hosts have changed except for me. Uh, well, even me has changed, mm-hmm. but I've I've been there the longest, like four hundred some odd episodes for Starling Tribune, which was covering the Arrow TV or the CW show Arrow, which is a DC property. That we could have turned over. All three of us were done when Arrow ended. All three of the remaining hosts, we were done with it, and we were thinking about what are we going to do with this. Mm-hmm. And really, there wasn't anybody that was stepping up to say we want to do this. So we didn't have anybody to transition it over to. So that pod faded. It ended. Oddly enough, we were just talking about bringing it back for an episode or two, just because like the CW universe is the Arrowverse is is ending. But yeah, that podcast was not going to go in perpetuity. So I guess it just depends from subject to subject. But in your case, it sounds like woodworking is going to go on for and can go on forever. It's a topic that there's no end to. I certainly hope it does. Um, but I, another thing is we have never been in a situation where all the hosts are done, which is what you just described. So it's always been one person falls off, gets replaced. And then months, years later, another person falls off, gets replaced. So it's, I think the fact that we have done replacements one at a time, not a whole turnover of the entire hosting crew has made it much easier. I I imagine it would be very difficult if the three of you decided to step off and three new people tried to take it over. Yeah. 
I'll use better podcasting as an example. Both Stephen and I had to step away from the show at the same time. So there's nobody else to step in and take over it. So we went on a hiatus. We told everybody we were going on a hiatus. We told everybody we were coming back in a few months. Something happened. It affected both of us. For those that don't know, Stephen's brother passed away mm-hmm. while we were on a hiatus. So it was not planned. That definitely was not planned. And it's not like I'm a lot older than Steven. So Steven and his brother were younger than me. I knew Steven's brother personally as well. So that's why it affected both of us. But it it was something that he had to deal with. I mean, if you've ever lost a family member, whether they're a sibling or a a child or an adult, you have to actually take care of their stuff. You have to take care of their lives and and pick up from, okay, you know, dispersal of of clothes of in Steven's brother's case, the tech, and it was the same tech that he was using podcasting and his geeky moments and stuff like that. So it was hard for him. So yeah, that that's what happened there. And there was nobody that was going to come in and, and take over that. In our case, we always intended on coming back. Mm-hmm. We acknowledged the fact that we might not be able to get over the hump. And uh, once Steven's brother passed away, but we our, our intention was always to come back, but we had to take that time off. And it's going to hurt in so many ways. We already know this, but we're excited to come back tomorrow. And I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, released a couple of promos coming back and stuff like that. That's stuff that you don't have to do because the show is continuing. I mean, if you just rejoin the show, that's no big deal, right? Yeah. Well, I think it'd be a fantastic deal, but it, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's no big deal. And also, I'll, I'll give you guys a lot of credit because you do so much more promotion than we ever did what i learned is that while i think this is true of all my co-hosts we really enjoy the conversation and we're willing to do just enough editing that it's not complete garbage from an audio perspective but beyond that we're really not promoters so like as of today in 2022 the show has an instagram page that posts every time there's an episode up and that is the be all end all of the promotion we do we haven't, I used to be in charge of show notes. I haven't written show notes in five, six years. I just let the, uh, the hosting, we had a site on Squarespace that I let expire a couple months ago. So technically I think our initial show notes are probably still on Blogspot, but I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it has been years since we've written out show notes. Cause we were, it was about having a talk with, with a bunch of friends and that was really the start and end of it. So I think the fact that you're out promoting and teasing and doing all those things speaks to your much higher level of dedication to this craft than we ever had. Yeah. And kind of sort of prime the pump this week. We released one of these conversations on this show over on the main better podcasting feed. It was the episode that I did with Scott Johnson, who started off as being a hobby podcaster. He's Mm -hmm. full time now and has his own network, but he is a hall of famer and he's also a podcast award winner like multiple times. So that, was a no kidding if you're going to aspire to something as a hobby podcaster scott johnson is a great example and we ran that as a episode over on the main feed and we introduced it and it's in, in its entirety i understand how people can kind of get confused when i talk about well next week i'm going to be off but in reality we're we're both coming back but that was one of the things that we did and we did a couple of promotions but we could have done some more And that gets into a big thing that I have with hobby podcasting is you don't have time to do it all. You're doing full-time job. Like you said, you're working up to 12 hours a day, five, six days a week. You know, when the weather's good, you work, right? (laughs) And I could see that. And you're not going to have the time to spend on social media. There are days that go by at work where I can't even get to like the Twitter page to post a tweet and I just like, okay, it yeah, is what it is. You're working. Yeah. And it's suboptimal. Like if I was really trying to grow the show, really trying to get an audience and stuff like that, that yeah, I, w- I would do it. That really like the legends of shield podcast really suffers from that. And I've toyed with actually hiring a social media person to come on, but I've seen what they would do for the money. And I'm like, that's something that I could do for free if I had the total time so I can aspire to it, but maybe, maybe I just need to bite the bullet. The other thing recently with social media 
promotion is, oh, you got to have a TikTok channel with your podcast. Do you? Do you really? And here's why I think not. I think TikTok is a lot like YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, where they want you to stay on their property and they don't want you to... They don't want you to promote this thing over there. So like even YouTube, like you got to do the short. We'll promote your channel if you do all these shorts, because that will make people stay here or Instagram. You got to do these reels so that people stay on and watch reel after reel after reel. And TikTok's so successful because it does those real type things, but it also has this algorithm of, okay, so you like this. We'll show you this. We'll show you this. So it just sucks you in for up to hours at a time. I'm like, okay, right there. TikTok is going to suck you in for hours at a time. And those hours are what you're going to need to listen to a long-term long format podcast, right? Would, would TikTok make you popular on TikTok or would it actually bring people back to listening to the podcast? I don't see how you get from TikTok to the podcast, not unless someone's taking a very deliberate and intentional step. It's not as though you're clicking the link embedded in your tweet and it opens up in the podcast player. I think what's happening is these social media gurus are pandering to the younger generation than us. And they're saying, okay, so you want to be a social media influencer. These are the ways that you can do that. And you can have a brand that is attributable to your podcast, but there's not a direct connection between the two. So what you're really doing, as you just described and what I was trying to describe, is you're really creating an entity on their platform of TikTok yeah. and or YouTube with the shorts. You're staying on YouTube or Instagram with the reels. You're staying there and it's not a direct correlation back. I mean, with Instagram, you can't even put post a link on the actual post back to right, it's all gonna be in your, your show and your, in your bio. I don't even know what TikTok does. I don't have a TikTok account. I just keep on thinking in order for me to, produce engaging content on TikTok. I'm going to have to spend hours and hours and hours doing it. I don't have that much time. Yeah. Do you want to create engaging podcast, engaging content in a podcast or on TikTok? You really, it's a choice. You don't do both unless that's all you're doing. But then how do you promote? That's the, that's the conundrum. That's the rope. So yeah, I want to create a good podcast and I want to promote a little bit, but I don't want to go out of my way to promote. And for a while, Twitter was it, but Twitter's a mess right now. It is Not a mess necess- right now. And I, I, it kills me to say that Twitter is my social platform. Like I, I grew up on Twitter and it is of all the things we've talked about. It is the, it is the social form that I feel the most at home on, but it is a bloody mess right now. And I don't think it's going to stabilize for a while. Oh, no, 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 no. I think it will stabilize. I just don't think it's going to stabilize for a while. I think there is a market for the short term blogging or the small blogging. I for, forget what they were calling it. It was like short microblogging. I think there is a a format for that, a market for that, but I don't know if Twitter is going to be it, if there's going to be something else that's going to take its place, but I know that I'm going to stick it out on Twitter for now because that's the format that fits how I can promote mm-hmm. best, but I don't know. We'll see. So it sounds like you're agreeing with me with a lot of these ideas. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure it is the best strategy for promotion, but it is certainly a strategy I have. <laughs> Those are the platforms I feel mostly at home with. As a woodworker, I can't not be on Instagram because that's where all my people have gone. But still, I can put pictures on Twitter. I don't need Instagram for the pictures. So I don't know. I I personally feel most at home at Twitter still. There's a couple of things that I want to ask you. First of all, you podcasted for like almost 10 years, if not 10 years. If I I do my math in Mm -hmm. public correct. What are some of the favorite moments? I mean, we talked about favorite guests, but what are some of the favorite moments or one of the favorite, it doesn't have to be the favorite moment, but one that comes to mind of your show. Some of the best times were when we would bring the rig to conferences. We'll see how it comes back after COVID, but pre COVID the heart and soul of the woodworking community was conferences that really started in like 08 or nine. All of my intimate woodworking friends I met at conferences, and these were people who we would have met on Twitter for maybe 18 months prior, and then you get there and you're like, oh, that's you, and you're instant friends. And these are people I've remained friends with for 15 years. So the fact that I always broke my rig down every day meant that it was never this big, bulky thing I couldn't take. So I brought the Roadcaster Pro to the last two conferences I went to. I have a little 
Pelican style case that I keep it in. And we would just literally find a conference room and take it over, find an empty one after a session or between sessions and just grab people during the shows and have them sit down with us and talk to people. And we talked to presenters, we talked to other attendees. It didn't matter. We would just talk to people. So the last couple of conferences we went to, we would record two or three episodes during the conference and bring them home and post them later. That was always a hoot. So that was pro- that's probably the standout moment of it is having those those moments. And quite frankly, at at a conference like that, it was an amazing stroke to my ego to be in a woodworking conference. Now it, you know, there's 300 people here. It's not this big. It's not a comic con, but have people across the room say, "Hey, that's Tiami. I can hear his voice." And be recognized because these are my people. So it was that connection that was really what it was all about. I guess I have a similar story. Did you ever hear the story of the C2E2 Gonna Geek uh, podcast panel? Did you ever hear that Probably. story? So we went to C2E2. We had a podcast panel. There was a room of like 200 people or so. We had okay. some different people throughout the network and some turned professional podcasters shortly thereafter. Or maybe during, we had a lot of great social media influence sort of looks and and different podcasting experience and everything. Mm-hmm. And the the room, there was a couple of hecklers in there, but the, the room for a whole, they were really interested in learning how to podcast. So that in itself was pretty cool. But the real cool part is one of our Gonna Geek members at the time, Cody, he was, still is, as far as I know, a producer at WGN. So we went to WGN 700 Radio. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, it's the big AM radio station in Chicago. We went to their building. We went into their recording studio, and we recorded a podcast there. That was so cool, using their gear, seeing all that stuff, and being able to talk multi-whatever. And he was doing his producer things, riding the faders and everything. It, that was so cool of seeing that is him really cool in his own element and then being able to do that. And it was a, a show that we released on multiple feeds after that. It, it was just really fun. So uh, it was mo- probably more fun for us than the audience because, you know, it was repetitive of or across uh, several shows. But yeah, that was I have still have pictures from that. And we were <laughs> I was showing them to Stephen a couple of weeks ago and Chris, our going to geek podcast co-host. And yeah, they they were having fun there. So yeah, you just reminded me of that. It's it's always fun to remember that. I was looking through a lot of these things for the first time in a year or two in preparation for this discussion. So one of the things I looked at was my blog, which I haven't posted to in many, many years, because it takes more work to write a proper blog post than it does to sit down and record a podcast. But what I found was on Vine of all mediums, Apparently the Vine servers are still running because I had embedded Vines in a podcast, uh, excuse me, in a blog post. And 2012, 2013, that kind of time frame, we were in probably Cincinnati. And we wouldn't make a spectacle of it per se, have a proper audience. But half the time we would just grab a, a table like in the, on the show floor because the way woodworking conferences work is you have like a trade show and then you have specific classes. So we'd find a, a table on the, on the edge of the show floor and set up the whole thing and sit around the table and do our recordings there. So we had a good-natured taunting from another woodworking podcast. As we were sitting down and recording, they all came over and enjoyed themselves as, as they poked at us <laughs> while we were trying to do a recording. But sillily... One of my co-hosts was rooming with one of their co-hosts, so we had the key to their hotel room, and they were much more uptight about audio quality, so they were recording late at night in their hotel room with no disturbances. So we have on a video us all walking into their room while they're recording and leering over them and talking over them. (laughs) So it was was some nice, enjoyable rivalry, which was, you know, not what you would do, I guess, if this was a professional podcast, but as we were all hobbyists, it worked. I don't know. I've seen it like at Podcast Movement when they had recording booths with people uh, doing the, um, basically what you just said, you know, show bombing or whatever. Yeah. The last thing I'll ask you is, you know, you've been out of it for a year. Do you have any gripes with the general podcast industry? With the general industry? I think that advertisers should pay more because based on the quantity of ads that are in the commercial podcasts, it has only gone up 
And it's far too many. If any of the main commercial podcast channels have way too many ads now. So I will tell advertisers to pay more. I, I understand these people need to make a living at it. And it's an ad-based model. I don't object to a handful of ads, but it's ridiculous now, which means that the advertisers just need to, to step up and pay more so we can go back down to fewer ads. They don't lose revenue. And it's a more pleasant listening experience. I think it'd be better for everybody. And that would be my biggest gripe with the industry as a whole. In terms of hobbyists, to bring it back to my little bubble of woodworking podcasts, we are, the Modern Woodworkers Association, the longest continuously running woodworking podcast out there today. The big 800-pound gorilla of the woodworking podcast world is Wood Talk, and they've been around for much longer than us, kind of gone through the same struggles, but Mark is so much more professional than we are. I would put him closer to, to you guys in terms of the way he edits and not just a bunch of idiots around a microphone like we are. You are too kind. Stephen and I are two idiots around a microphone. <laughs> but okay, you're idiots who edit, I guess. <laughs> so they're still around and they're going like gangbusters now. Fine Woodworking, the magazine has a podcast that thankfully started two weeks after us. So we're older than them so they can suck it. They're a bunch of really nice guys. I've been on their podcast. <laughs> um, so they're still around. But what we have seen is there was a time probably two, maybe three years ago, where it seemed like everybody and their brother who owned a saw had a podcast. It was the thing for woodworkers to do. And I don't know if it, if it kind of blew up in woodworking at a different time frame than in other hobbies. It's the only hobby I'm really dialed into. But if you wanted to listen to every woodworking podcast, there were 20, 30 of them, which in the little world we're in is a lot. It's a fairly niche hobby. So now that's settled down a little bit and we've, we've weathered that and we're still there. I mean, there's probably, I would say 10 regular woodworking shows, podcasts these days, but that was a weird thing to watch having been in it for years before then and have it kind of blow up. And I, I don't know. Now I'm going to, I'm going to say something I shouldn't. So I'm going to, I'm going to bite my tongue now. And what I tell my kids is discretion is the better part of valor. So we will leave it at that. But that was, it was, a, it was an interesting thing to watch as from a hobby perspective, it kind of blew up and has now kind of come back to what I would term like a, a normal size. Okay. Now, that was a little tangential. I apologize. No, it's all right. It seems like self-correcting to the, the industry and the audience. Cause I mean, if a lot of people think that they're going to get, I don't know, it depends on what your goal is going in. If you're just yeah. talking to your friends and you want to put that conversation out there, that's one thing. But if you go into it talking, whether you state it or not, talking with your friends and you want a lot of people to listen and you want to be the Joe Rogan of woodworking, then that's never going to happen. So I could see those people self-eliminating it a, a while. And, you know, life gets in the way, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you burn out like we talked about. Yep. If you don't understand what you're getting into, it's taxing. Yeah, I could see that. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on and having this conversation with me. I do enjoy the conversation. So where would be the best place for our better podcasting audience to find your old vines? <laughs> well, they could find my old vines at penultimatewoodshop.blogspot.com because I just stopped paying for the, uh, for the redirection from just penultimatewoodshop.com. But if you want to listen to um, enjoyable conversational content about woodworking, you can absolutely still check out Modern Woodworkers Association, and that can be found on any podcast app you might use. And if you want to just see my random chatter, the best place to find me is on Twitter at Diami Plotky. All right. Well, we'll look forward to you possibly returning to Modern Woodworkers Association at some point after, uh, after the kids graduate from high school. <laughs> Sometime. And thank you for spending your time with us over the past hour. If you like content like this, subscribe to Better Podcasting YouTube channel and like the video and ding that bell, or at least that's what the YouTubers try to tell me to say. If you are listening to the audio version, please give Better Podcasting Chats with SP a follow on your podcatcher app. Steven and I would greatly appreciate it. Now, as a special announcement, tomorrow night, Stephen and I are returning with the Better Podcasting main show. With that, I have a further announcement. For now, Better Podcasting Chats with SP will continue on Tuesday nights. There are a few more people 
that have reached out to me and want to have a conversation slash chat. So this show will continue through at least the end of November 2022. If you want to schedule a time with me to help out this show continue, please send me an email at stargatepioneer at betterpodcasting.com. Otherwise, we're going to see what everything looks like at the end of November 2022 and see what happens with this show. In the meantime, please join the podcasting conversation on our Discord server. That's betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can find both Stephen and myself there every day. See everybody next time.